Pops and Peas. I'm Peas. And I'm Pops. Yep. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Today, Dad, <laughs> guess what we're talking about today? Yeah, guess what we're talking. What are we talking about today? Well, I thought because Veterans Day. Okay. Yeah. Is I'm following up. you. I'm following you. Um, or is it is it today? Are we dropping the podcast on Veterans Day? <laughs> so happy Veterans know. Day. It doesn't matter because people will be listening to this. That's true. So if it's Veterans Day and you're listening to this podcast, happy Veterans. Happy if, Veterans Day. And if you were a veteran, thank, thank you, you for, for your, your service. service. Um, and Dad, I don't know if you guys know this, but Pops oh. is a veteran. And yes. How many years did you serve, Dad? 30. Holy smokes. 30, 30 years. years. Just to put that into perspective, yeah. I'm 33. So. Yeah. So almost all your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty Almost cool. all my life. So thank you for serving, Dad. And <laughs> yes. thank you for your sacrifice You're welcome. and contribution. My pleasure. My pleasure. Um, your job took us across the country multiple times and gave us the opportunity to see lots of different things and learn different cultures and be a part of it and just be immersed in um in areas and in, in locations that we n- we would never have gotten the opportunity to see the, all those things mm. had you not had that job. So I appreciate you taking oh. one for the team, Dad. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> taking one for the team. Yeah. Yeah. That, look, it was a lot of fun for me, too. I mean, the, the hardest part probably was uh, because we moved a lot, and I'm sure we'll talk about that, right? Yeah. Um, switching my job location was tough, but the hardest part for me was having to uproot you guys and yeah. new schools, new friends, mom's job. It, well, and it's a unique experience because, you know, most people move around, but not like across the country. They'll move from like town to town or yeah. across town to a new house. Yeah. Um, you don't, every time you move, you don't necessarily have to find a new school, find new friends, find new hobbies, new activities, or a new sports team to be a part yeah. of or anything like that. There, But for a military kid, you um, know every two years of your life, pretty much, you will have to find a new school, uh, make new friends. For you, anyway, every two, about two and a half years. Right. We moved, yeah. And, but it and, was kind of cool because you could kind of reinvent yourself. Like if those two years didn't go yeah. like you planned and you're like, well, next move, I'm going to be a basketball <laughs> player or, you know. Next move, I'm going to be this person, and I'm not going to be... Start all over again. I'm going to be the athlete this time, or at least attempt to. It never really worked out for me. What was always interesting is uh, for for our friends um, over the pond, in the United States, you know, we have states, and each state is kind of like a little small country of culture. Oh, yeah. If you will. So, you know, you, you may live in Texas, you'll you'll live the Texas culture. And then you move to South Carolina, you live the South Carolina culture. So, and different foods. And mm-hmm. that's what was really interesting in, in all the moves. And then from a standpoint of my job, it's uh, getting to know the, the what the locals do and where they hang out. And Yeah. Um, so let's start out with yeah. how old were you? When you joined? When I first enlisted, I was a senior in high school. I was 17 years old. Dang. And what did you yeah. enlist as? What were you, what branch were you going into? I joined the Marine Corps um, on a delayed entry program. So I actually enlisted um, in November 
of my senior year, and I didn't leave for basic training until the following August. Okay, bring me back to that moment. You're <laughs> a senior in high school, and some people are like, I'm going to college, or I'm going to get married, or I'm going to take a year off and yeah. you know, be me and find out who I am. Um, what was your thought process when you said, I'm going to go sign up and I'm going to serve my country? Well, um, a little bit about my high school years. I, I was a cheerleader in high school. Okay. So you're trying to redeem yourself? That. Is that what you're saying? I'm going to join the Marines. <laughs> no, I'm going to shoot. No. Um, the, the thing, the reason I mention that is because the, uh, how it all happened was I was in um, a McDonald's one night and ran into a buddy that had graduated from high school. And uh, he was also a cheerleader before he graduated. And he was all cleaned up and, and had short hair and all this. And I said, hey, you know, what you've been doing? And he told me he had joined the Marine Corps Reserve and the base was not too far from our home. And so he started telling me about that. And, uh, and it seemed interesting to me. And that's how... I kind of got the idea of, yeah, let me go talk to a recruiter. Well, my dad had been in the Marine Corps when he was younger, too, for uh, I think he did three years. And so I was familiar with that a little bit. And um, that's how I got started. I just uh, went down to the recruiting office and talked to him about what I wanted to do. And and uh, I was 17, so I had to have my parents sign and uh, of course they did. So what were some of the things that he talked about where he was like, and you're like, yeah, that sounds like something I want to do. Was it the travel? Was it the no. money that you're going to be making? Is it the other play for your school? No, it wasn't was it the just... travel. I had always said I did not want to travel on orders. And uh, Really? And yeah. And that's why the Marine Corps Reserve was interesting to me because the base was um, not far from the house and you would report one weekend a month and then you would do two weeks in the summer for summer camp. And you may get deployed for something from time to time, but it was um, it wasn't as much of an adjustment for me that uh, it, you know that it didn't interest me. That was that was good. Now, what he talked to me about, what I liked, was the structure and the organization and the I guess the spit and polish. You know, the uniform and oh yeah, there's the, nothing compared to yeah, a Marine Corps I uniform. Know, I know, and the 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 teamwork and you know having depend having to depend on your team, the camaraderie of it. Yes, all. absolutely. That's what appealed to me. The cool. training, you know, of course, we all knew that was going to be tough, but that that wasn't a deterrent. That was that was almost like a, let me see if I can make it kind of thing. So you joined, and then when did you go to boot camp? Um, I went to boot camp, like I said, the following August. Once you um, graduated. Once I graduated from high school. And uh, where was boot camp at? Boot camp was San Diego. Nice. MCRD San Diego. Well, I had a choice because, um, you know, I'm from New Orleans. So it's right on the Mississippi River, which divides the United States in half, east and west, as far as recruitment is concerned. Um, there's a basic training at Paris Island. What is that? South, South Carolina? Carolina. And there's San Diego. Um, and he said, you know, you have a choice because you're right in the middle. Where do you want to go? And I said, San Diego. Yeah, well, and if you talk, <laughs> you might all know out there, those listening, that whenever you talk to Marine, everyone who goes to Paris Island thinks that's the best boot camp. Yeah. Everyone that goes yeah. to San Diego is like, uh, nothing, they got Ab nothing on Paris Island. You know Absolutely what I mean? identical in a training. The, the, the atmosphere is different. Well, yeah. But the training is absolutely the same. Yeah. Oh, the difference with uh, Paris Island is if you're if you're female and you go into the Marine Corps, 
that's where you go to get trained. There's no why? females Still? in San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Still? Yeah. Huh. Yep. Why? I don't know. I, I just don't think they have the facility to accommodate. Okay. It's weird, but that's the way it is. And it's funny because when I was in boot camp in San Diego, you never saw a, a, a female Marine uh, unless she was, uh, you know, a, a, she wasn't a, a drill instructor because they didn't have them there. So she had to be a visitor or uh, an admin or somebody working up in the in the headquarters, something huh. like that. And when you would see them. It was yeah. like seeing a unicorn. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your time in boot camp. What are, what's one of your favorite memories from boot camp? Boot camp was three months long and uh, it, it was divided into three phases. Now I'm talking about when I went in, this is 1982. So things may have been different now, may have been adjusted somewhat, but I'm talking about when I went in. So um, three phases, uh, favorite part of that was probably probably the mountain training. The we, mountain training. What yeah. did that consist of? Well, it was a lot of marching. Wait, first before you can you talk about this? Is this like Yes. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to get anybody in trouble. No, it was it was tough, but it was towards the end of the mm -hmm. 3-month period and it was off base cuz everything we've done till then uh, for the most part, was right there in the base. So this was a change of scenery. Um, we were up in, and it was a military base, I'm sure it was, and we were up in a mountain area, and we were doing, mm -hmm. um, learning how to carry this big heavy pack up a mountain hill and uh, going through a firing range and learning about... So um, like learning combat, how yeah, you how to navigate be in during combat. combat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we... Uh, Learning the landmines and all that kind of stuff, the claymore mines. Do they just drop you out there in the middle of nowhere? Um, yeah. Well, they bust us in, but I have no idea where we were. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So it was it's uh, like a hazing incident. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a lot of people fell out of that. A lot of people couldn't make the climbs up the mountains. And yeah. Um, and it caused them to either get uh, sent home or sent back a week and picked up with another platoon and continue on. So was the terrain there pretty similar to what you saw like in Saudi Arabia or no, not no. even close? Not no, even. no, um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, this was, this was before that we weren't really doing any desert training for a year or two later, a couple of years later. Okay. Um, this was, this was just basic field training. Okay. For endurance and for whatever, yeah. So what was it about the mountain training that you were just like, yeah, that's my favorite part? I, I think it was the sense of accomplishment. Yeah, because it was again, tough. It was tough. And if you made it through, you 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 kind of sat back and said, oh, yeah. And it's like a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was, like, again, there were some people that didn't didn't make it. They call it uh, falling out the hump. <laughs> <laughs> falling out the hump. They didn't, didn't quite, they were, they didn't quite make it. So in boot camp, what was yeah. one of your, oh, beep moments? <laughs> like how I did that? Yeah. <laughs> we just add our own special effects. Yeah, we don't, we don't have any, any. Uh, we do, but it's just more fun to make them yourself. It's just more fun. Do yeah. it vocally. <laughs> yeah. You knew what I meant. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, good one. Uh, we were still on base. This was probably around the middle of training. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I can, I can probably grow a mustache and a beard in about two days. 
Uh, uh, let's talk a six hours. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> we used to. Let's not be uh, modest. <laughs> we used to shave at night before we went to bed. You would shave and shower and do your stuff, and yeah. and then we would go to bed. And we were in bed by I think nine thirty. That was lights out. What was that called? What? Oh, well, that that was a routine that, that was had called a name. taps. No, <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> We did it was the, the th- three S's. We did the three S's, and then then you went to bed. Yeah, um, and had pleasant dreams. No, we um, and so I'd wake up in the morning. I already had a five o'clock shadow, so I woke up this one morning, and my duty for that morning was to me and another private was to sit on the uh, the laundry because we would have certain uniforms that we would have to wear for. Um, for inspection. And so we would gather all that up and we would bring it down to the laundry and we'd have to wait there until they checked it in. And then we'd come back and join the platoon. So you didn't wash the laundry. You just had to wait for it to be delivered to you? Yes. And, uh, That's what you mean by, I was like, what do you mean to you sit, sit on, it? on the laundry? <laughs> Got it. Now we washed all our regular clothes. But not your uniforms. Yeah. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But okay. anyway, not, not the, the dress uniforms. So we were down there and sheets and stuff like that. We didn't we didn't wash that. We had to bring that down there too. So we were sitting down there, and uh, some captain walks up to me, and and you know, of course, when when an officer walks up, you you immediately stand at attention. So I stood up at attention, and he goes, "Private, did you shave this morning?" And I and I, yeah, I had to be honest. You don't lie. And yeah. I said, "Sir, no, sir." And he goes, "Are you kidding me? You get back to that barracks and you shave." And so, so you didn't, didn't get, or you did? I didn't. I shaved the night before, okay. so I wasn't lying. Okay. So I ran back because the captain gave me an order. I ran back to my barracks and I started shaving. I grabbed my stuff and I was in the bathroom. Nobody was there and I'm shaving and my uh, drill instructor walks in. Oh, no. What are you doing? He says, I said, well, you know, Captain so-and-so told me I had to shave. Didn't you shave last night, sir? Sir, yes, sir. So you saying, he said, so you saying the captain's a liar? And I said, you know, you're trying to explain yeah. yourself. No, I, I, and he goes, just begin. <laughs> and what that meant was to drop down. They never said drop down and give me 20. That's a movie thing. They never said that. So begin. Just means- begin. And you just, and you just drop down and you start doing push-ups. Until they tell you to stop? Or till, you, do they not say stop? Until he gets tired. Oh, and okay. so you just you're just doing them, and you're not counting them. You're just doing them one after the other until he says stop and, and go back. And I literally sweated a puddle. Oh no! Yeah. And, so uh, what do you think? If you're not counting, what are you thinking about when you're doing push-ups on the ground? Are you like singing songs or watching cartoons <laughs> in your head? Like what are you doing? You're just waiting for him to say, <laughs> "Please, you're done." No, I'm I'm thinking at that point. I remember thinking if he would just let me explain. I could tell him, you know, the whole right. story, but th- that's not how training goes. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, uh, after he, he told me I was finished, he said, now go back in there and finish shaving and then get your butt back on the laundry. Get back sitting on the laundry. Oh, sit, sit on the laundry. So that was one of my, oh. Oh, beep. Yeah. Moments. But you made it through. Yeah. And so. Um, three, three long months. Three long months. Yeah, but you did some cool stuff. You said that you went to Disneyland, didn't you, at one point? That was after. That was that was during um, the school that you go to for your specialty. Okay. But during you, you talked about what do you do when you're when you're sitting there doing push-ups? Do you think? Do you sing? Yeah. I remember being in. Um, we had uh, kitchen duty, mm-hmm. what people call the KP, kitchen patrol, and this was towards the end of our training. We had to spend a whole week working in the kitchen, so we had to get up at like two o'clock in the morning. 
and be at the, at the dining hall so that we could work our stations through all of the meals all day long. That's all we did. And then we would clean everything up and we'd be back in bed by, I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. And then we'd have to get up two o'clock in the morning and do it all over again. So what you're getting is sleep deprivation. Yeah. And then you're working in a high volume, not only physical, but mental mental and sound. I mean, we had to wear earplugs because the machinery was really loud. And during that time, I do remember just singing songs to myself. Yeah. Just you go to your music. happy place. Yeah. Yeah. You just you just doing whatever it is you had to do. And my job was working in the scullery, which is the window where the dirty dishes get thrown in. Then you have to scrape them the and put scullery? them in the scullery. Wow, that sounds like a fancy <laughs> word for here's my dish, dude. Here's my dirty dish. Yeah. And so I, I hummed sounds like a pirate many. thing. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's scurvy. Oh, no. It sounds like like <laughs> the galley and the boat and the, the, yeah. well, the scullery. The Marine Corps is, is uh, a lot of the terms are, na- are nautical because it's a department of the Navy. I thought you were saying a lot of the, the terms Navy. are like pirates. Like, no. Where are we going? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> no, a lot of it's nautical. Yeah, because it's a division of the Navy. Oh, nice. Okay, so what, were there any um, people that you kept in touch with during those three months during desert, not desert storm. Um, during boot camp, people from home or yeah. people that I, I met in boot camp. People from home. Oh well, we we couldn't do phone calls, right? So everything was writing letters, and that's really how I got to know mom. How so? Well, I met her when we were in high school. I was graduating again. I was a cheerleader, and she was coming in to be a cheerleader. Yeah. And she happened to be in my group of people that I was teaching them a cheer to try out. So I met her that time. Okay. And then right before I left, like the night before, me and a friend of mine, Alex, is driving around, and we went to Baskin and Robbins. Shout to out to Alex, by the way. Yeah. Hey, Alex. Alex does listen, yeah. so he knows who he is, <laughs> <laughs> and we know who he is. Um, so we're out at uh, Baskin and Robbins, mm-hmm. and uh, Mom worked there, and I recognized her. And then we talked, and it's oh yeah, from tryouts and everything. And I, I asked her. I said, I don't have anybody to write to during basic training. You know, would it be all right if I wrote to you? Oh, that's romantic. Yeah, because you you want somebody to write back and forth to. And uh, and so I got her information, and, and we wrote back and forth, and that's how we got to know each other. That's like a Nicholas Sparks book, Dad. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, pen pals, sort of. And uh, yeah, wrote wrote all. She still got all the letters. That's really cool. Yeah. yeah. And when I finished basic training and came home, I got seven days of leave mm-hmm. before I had to be back at uh, my communication school, which was the career area I was going in. And um, and we spent almost every day with each other, just, you know, going shopping, going out to eat, just something, just hanging out. And uh, that was a really good seven days. Aw. Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about um, some of the things that you saw in the military because you did get deployed. So we'll talk about that. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. So we popped the question and you said yes. Where do you go from here? Moulet Productions can help with all your wedding planning needs. We'll connect you with the highest rated vendors in your area and help you plan every detail of your big day. 
From finding your perfect dress, the best food, and music, we've got you covered. For more information, visit MoulinProductions.com. Pops and peas. Okay, welcome back. So we were just talking about, before the break, we talked about um, your time in boot camp and how you joined the Marine Corps. Um, Talked a little bit about what happened after boot camp and after you went to your communications training. Were you stationed at a base? And if so, which yeah, one? I, um, it was Marine Corps Reserve. I was at the, uh, at the New Orleans Lakefront Marine Corps base. It, it doesn't exist anymore. They, they moved all that to womp somewhere womp. else. Yeah, It was very small. It was a small little fenced-in yard with a building. And um, you know, that's, what we, that's what we reported every, every uh, Friday night. We would do what they called five drill periods. We'd report in on a Friday night. And we would be gone all weekend somewhere. They'd drop us in, and then we'd come back Sunday evening. Okay, yeah. but you weren't always doing that. So what did you do next? Once you were you all, you weren't always Marine Corps Reserve, right? No, I did Marine Corps Reserve for about six years, and then I transferred over to the Air Force Reserve. Okay, were you um, ever deployed? Yeah, yeah, we. Uh, as in the Air Force Reserve, um, when I switched over to that, I went into munition systems instead of communications because it was, uh, well, frankly, they were offering a bonus to go into that field. So, <laughs> so yeah. let's just be whatever. honest. What is what does munitions mean? Uh, it's bombs. Okay. Yeah, bombs. For the layman, small bullets and stuff like that. We were we our plane was the A ten, and uh, so there were bullets involved in that. Um, the the reason I went into the Air Force was <laughs> there was bullets involved. <laughs> for my in the buddies A-10. out there who know the A ten, yeah, yes. Um, you, the reason I went to the Air Force Reserve was because in Marine Corps Reserve, even as a reservist, I was in the field a lot. Yeah. So, um, and what that means is I was away from the base in the in the wherever in a simulated war zone or training or something like that. And I wanted to finish college, and I couldn't. Although I had the benefits, I couldn't do it wouldn't have the time so i uh got into the air force reserve which was also close to the house and um and carried over all my rank and time and so uh just changed uniform so what did you do then um career wise i was no like what was your job oh my job was um i again munitions so we we would uh what'd you do with the bombs dad (laughs) we would put the fuses (laughs) in the bombs we would wire them and then put fins on them and bring them out to the planes to be loaded. Um, the we would also deal with the bullets for the uh, the A ten gun. You okay. know, the A ten is a gun with a plane built around it. Nice, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Okay, yeah. so um, thirty millimeter bullet. Nice. That's pretty big. So, were you deployed with that unit? Yes, we. Uh, a few years later, we uh, when when Desert Shield and all that broke out, we had just won the top unit in the reserve uh, for A10s, and so we were like on the top of the list to be deployed if they pulled reservists in, and they did. And so we, um, you barely remember this, but we got noticed we were going to be deployed to Desert Shield somewhere in the Middle East in Saudi Arabia. Uh, we got in word right before Christmas, mm-hmm. and we shipped out on the 4th of January. Yeah, because we celebrated my birthday early. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So um, 
yeah, so we, we loaded up the planes and we went into an unknown area. We didn't know where we were going. We flew over the, over the Atlantic Ocean and, uh, <clears throat> just, you know, wherever they landed was where we were going to be. Didn't find out exactly where we were till about a week after we were there. And, uh, of course, we couldn't tell anybody. Well, but. no, that, well, now they have like FaceTime and, and yeah, Skype we didn't have and all any that of stuff. That. No, I remember mom setting up a small recorder. Yes. A tape recorder, like reporters use. Um, yeah. We had a just phone. just pushing record and I would talk to you like you were there and then right. she would send you the tape and then you would do the same thing and send the tape back. I should have brought those tapes out. We could have played a little bit of it on this. Well, maybe we'll have like a part two. Maybe so. Yeah, because cool. that's interesting stuff. Yeah, the, the, I took a tape recorder with me, mm-hmm. and uh, I would record things I thought were significant and wanted to, to send home. Nothing nothing secret or confidential. Just like, you know, what I'm doing that day and what the weather's like and it, sounds of the plane. It's kind of like, like what people do now, like Insta Live or Instagram yeah. stories or, you know, Snapchat. It was kind of like that, but yeah. in a recorded 1992 version. <laughs> 1992. I would have to mail this uh, cassette tape home and then mom would listen to it and then she would mail me one back. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. recording it because I remember yeah. um, I'd just be playing or something and mom would set the recorder <clears throat> and she said, talk to daddy and I would talk to you and then she would send the... Yeah, I do. I remember those. I never knew how they were done, mm-hmm. but I remember getting those. And let me tell you, mail was not every day. Mm-hmm. And when you would get it, it would be like... Uh, you know, a week and a half's worth. So you'd have all these letters and things and packages to go through. And when I would get a tape, that was a big deal. Cool. That was a big deal. And I'd, I'd save it and I'd wait to the right time <laughs> to listen to it. And typically it was while I was working because once we put our planes where they needed to be and all the, the munitions and everything was where it needed to be and staged, uh, we were just waiting for the the word for the planes to take off. So we didn't really have a lot to do other than wait for additional orders. And so at that time, I would play the tapes and listen to them. And, and it was it was in the middle of the night because I worked midnight to 12. So it was really a neat treat. So it's kind of cool. Like we were there with you. Yeah. Yeah, you were. You were. Very cool. Um, so while you were over there, what was... Um, Maybe something, and you already said that you looked forward to yeah. the tapes, but what was something else that you looked forward to? Well, we all liked uh, when we got a care package. Mm-hmm. Everybody would look forward to that. And I remember this one night, a guy got a care package, and he was all excited. And he, he came out, and he was sharing it. It was, you know, a small group of people were sharing it. And he says, look, I got this. And he pulled out this big bottle of Listerine. Ah. The brown Listerine. And it was when they used to have the glass bottles. People that remember the glass bottle Listerine in the, in the rounded package. It, what, what it was was his wife had taken that package and removed the bottom very carefully and pulled the bottle out, emptied it, and filled it with whiskey. Uh-huh. And then reinserted it and sealed it up really good and sent it to him with the care package So because we weren't allowed to have that. Nice. And so... Uh, that was that was a good night. That was and a it, fun night, and it came at a good time because it was, it was uh, you know we had been there a while and we had gone through some things and and we were just we were looking for something to blow off steam with and that was perfect. And brown listerine was the way to go. Brown brown listerine. <laughs> wink wink. <laughs> um, so, what yeah. was one of those moments that? You knew seeing mm. it was a surreal moment, and you knew it would be like a historical moment to be a part of. Um, I guess 
I guess when we landed and they broke and you looked around to see where you were and you were just in the middle of a desert, um, not sand like you, not, not like you see on TV where it's, you know, deep sand and hills. It was just dusty and sandy and the wind was blowing across there. It was just, it just looked dirty. And, um, but everywhere you looked out in the distance, it was just, you know, vast open land. There was some very sickly looking camels in the distance. <laughs> um, I, I think when, when the, when the air war kicked off and we were sending planes up constantly throughout the night, I think that's when it really hit, especially when the planes started coming back and we got some, you know, A-10s can, can take a hit and we got some planes coming back that were just all shot up and, uh, you know, wings shot up, tail shot off, just bullet holes everywhere. That's when it kind of hit reality that, you know, these guys are not going to arrange and dropping bombs practice. This is the real deal. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was kind of, that was surreal. That definitely. You've shared some pictures with us. And I remember bringing some pictures to school for show and tell or something when we were learning about that, yeah. um, that historical fact of it, that the, there was smoke in the distance. Yeah. Like things were on fire. And what what was that? Well, you remember in history where they talked about them burning the oil wells as mm-hmm. a last ditch effort. Um, this was the, the Saddam's uh, armies were burning their own oil wells to keep anybody from getting them or to create a diversion or uh, whatever roadblock. And I remember one day, um, hearing that and then looking out in on the horizon and, and it was like clear sky to about maybe 30 feet and then everything above that was just black. And I can remember thinking, this we're breathing this. Yeah. You know, we're breathing this in. You know, what's going to happen? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was, you know, but there were other times there was, um, it, we would get what they called alarm reds Every night. And that was when the sirens would go off and yeah. we'd get word that we were being, uh, uh, missiles were being fired in, in our direction, Scud missiles. And so we would put all our, our gear on, the chemical gear and everything, and we'd get down in our bunkers and wait for an all clear. And um, they, never, they never hit us. They hit near us. We had Patriot batteries that would shoot up and, and take them out of the sky. But um, they hit near us. And, um, but I remember one night, it was always at night because I worked at night. Right. But he would always hit us. He would always throw these missiles up at night at about, and it was almost on time. It was like at 10 o'clock and then again at two. You could expect it. It was like you could set your clock to it. And I remember one night he didn't hit us at 10 and I was late for work and I was like, God darn it. I can't even count on him to wake me up on time. (laughs) (laughs) But we, we went into this uh, alarm red one night and it was all dark and we were scrambling around the tent to put our, our gear on and get down in the bunker. And I can remember hearing in the distance, this guy yelling out, I can't get my bag. I can't get the bag open. The, the chemical suits come in a sealed bag uh-huh. until you open them. And then they're good for so many days and you got to destroy them and, and get a new suit. Well, we had just gone through the first and we were, 
go open in a second one. And he's screaming in the background, I can't get my suit open. I can't get my suit open. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And somebody's yelling, just calm down. You got yeah. plenty of time. You know, you got about three minutes to get the suit on, which is <laughs> plenty a lot of time. It's a lot of time. <laughs> and so he's, he's, he can't get it. I, I can't get the bag open. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And, and somebody yells out, get him a flashlight. So oh, they shine we're in the dark. We're in the dark. Yeah. And he's struggling with this bag, which are hard to get open. And they shine a flashlight on him. And the poor guy, he's he's grabbed, instead of grabbing a chemical suit, he's grabbed one of his MREs. Oh, those his, are tough to get open. His meals ready to eat in these thick plastic bags. And you can't get those things open without a knife. And he's struggling to pull this bag open because he doesn't know it's dark. Yeah. And somebody yells at him, Frank, there's no time to think about eating. Get your suit on. <laughs> <laughs> So Frank. They, he got in it. Frank uh, got in his suit. That <laughs> what a happy end to that story. Good job, Frank. <laughs> Good job, Frank. You can eat later. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So speaking of eating, what did you eat over there? Oh, we had a dining hall set up. Now I say a dining hall. I'm not talking say, about a restaurant. Mean? It's yeah. what is a dining hall? It's a field of? kitchen. They they would uh they would have this big long tent with with seats in it to eat around and, and they would have like this buffet line of stuff, like a cafeteria. And you'd go through it and you'd pick what you want off of it and eat. What was one of the delicacies that you uh, got to We had this enjoy. one time we had this 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 ham Ew. that had a green sheen to it. That sounds questionable. Yeah, it had been out too long. I didn't eat that. But we had um goat's milk. Okay. Some of the stuff they bought local, and I don't know where they got some of this stuff, but it was just, it was regular food. It was hot. And that was the key thing, because other than that, we're eating MREs. So having a hot meal of, you know, even it's just rice and gravy, it's, you know, mashed potatoes, it was that kind of stuff. Okay. And, uh, And so we would, we had this one dining hall that was on the flight line, close to the flight line. This is where a lot of the pilots or whoever was working the flight line could go to eat. It was closer. That had the best food, and they were open 24 hours. That's nice. So you could just walk in any time and get something. So that was that was cool. Nice treat. So when you say pilots, did were they stationed where you were, or were mm-hmm. they flying in from other stations and no, they, fueling up and getting bombs and going somewhere They else? were our pilots. We, you know, we were there with three, three or four active duty A-10 units, from all over the world. And, uh, you know, we took our whole crew. We took our planes. We took our gear. We took all the ground crew. We took our pilots. So, And they did the same thing. So, you know, we all knew each other. Yeah. Um, and we got to know each other, the active folks. We got to know them. In fact, I met a guy uh, later on in my Air Force career that was there at the same time from an active duty unit. I never knew him, never met him then. But yeah. we became really good friends. Fred. Fred. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. And we worked together a later on. A different Fred, not the Fred that couldn't open up his bag. No, that was Frank. Oh, sorry, Frank. Freddy, come on, keep it right. Sorry. This is It's hard to remember all this. <laughs> Frank and Fred. Everybody's okay. name started with F. Oh, man. <laughs> it was a requirement. I'm talking in code now. Right. <laughs> I know. It's like the, what's the alphabet called? The Alpha Bravo. Bravo. Yeah. Um, Charlie Delta. Yeah, I learned that in communication school. It's called, uh, it's called speaking phonetically. 
Really? That's what it's called? Yeah. It's phonetic alphabet is Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, Echo. Yeah. We don't have to go through all of that. I believe Good. you, but <laughs> yeah. we're not going to test each day. Yeah. Because when people are on phone, they go A like is in Apple, B like is in boy. It, it, it's just Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, Delta, okay. <laughs> so forth and so on. Okay. I'll know that <laughs> next time I'm trying to spell things out on the phone. Yeah. Um. So we talked about the food. Did they have like normal bathrooms there? How did that work? <laughs> I'm just these are the questions these that go the in my impo- mind these, these are the important, are the important questions things. where do you shower where do you eat where do you have to go to the bathroom <laughs> forget about the job you have to do well, uh, wait I mean, a minute now is there a bathroom here because uh, this is the deal breaker well I mean you're at war so I mean <laughs> are, you, are you popping a squad in the desert like what well, I don't understand no this is not the army uh, <laughs> uh, we our army friends don't take offense to that <laughs> we had an entire shower tent it was all individual showers now, this is all field stuff this is not hardened structures but it's you know pipes run yeah where you could stand under you and say take that shower. but they're pretty sophisticated when it comes they to were. their tent stuff i mean y'all yeah. have like air conditioned sort of things in there yeah we had an air pump in our tent yeah yeah, yeah. and uh but the army i mean reason i mentioned the army is because the they had an army unit uh, a little bit away from us. We could see them from one side of our compound, and they had what looked like Korea era. No way! Stuff. Oh yeah, they had like Vietnam era showers standing out in these wooden. Well, why? That's me. I don't know. I don't know why. They. I, I remember they had the fifty-five gallon drums cut in half and had little stalls built around them for them to go to the bathroom in and they had to burn it. No, you're making this up. <laughs> They they looked like it to me. Oh. But ours were all flushable, and we had a company that would come in and pump everything out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. We all lived in tents, though. It was all out. Everything was dusty. I remember that. Everything remember, was dusty. I remember when you came home, and I, you were like, I just want to take a shower. And I remember mom complaining about- Sand and everything. Yeah. How long it took to get- There was like yeah. a yeah. lot of sand left it's in the fine, bathtub. You know, the sand's fine, fine, fine there. And, yeah. Uh, I guess it blows around a lot and it's like dust and it was in everything. I mean, you got used to it in your food, in your, in your bed, in your clothes, yeah. everywhere just became part of it. My glasses, when I came back, were so sandblasted. I had to get new ones. I can't believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So some things happened while you were gone. Really? Yeah. I think you came home to a, an, another child. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, a surprise. Yeah, imagine my surprise. No, uh, yeah, mom was pregnant when I left. Yeah, with Gary. Yeah, mom was pregnant when I left. Yeah, okay? it, wasn't it wasn't that kind of surprise. It wasn't that kind of surprise. But the fact that he came so early was a surprise. Yes, he um, he came four weeks early. Yeah. And that was due to a lot of stress. I would, I would imagine <laughs> so. And uh, the oh, the way I found out, I was actually on the flight line. It was one morning. I had just checked my planes and I was riding back. And uh, I was in one area and a guy pulled up in a truck. And he said, Malay. And I said, yeah. He says, was your wife in the hospital? And I was, I, you know, I, was, I did the same thing. I stepped back. I said, well, uh, not that I know of, but she was pregnant. He says, oh, that's right. You had a son. <laughs> wow you didn't even know she was in labor or anything no 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 that's how i found out and so i immediately I, I i went to the tent where the phones were and they allowed me a phone call home and did you know he was a boy uh you didn't know he was gonna be a boy right yes i did you did yeah he did because we were we 
I don't want to make this down, but when I got word that I was going to Desert Storm, you kind of make certain plans. Yeah. And uh, one of the things in the back of my head and back of mom's head was, you know, what if I don't come back? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I wanted to know everything I could about what what I was having, a son or a daughter, and, and at least have that memory. And we even picked out some names. Yeah. And his name was not supposed to be Gary. It was going to be, I think, Brent. Mm-hmm. And when I got when I got orders to go to war, uh, we decided we were going to name him Gary Jr. In case I didn't come back. Oh, geez, isn't that weird? But it, yeah, you know, it was kind of like an honor thing. I don't know, but he was four weeks early, and mm-hmm. um, I went, and there was no way they were letting me go home. And so, uh, mom went through her doctor who went through the Red Cross and I got notice from the Red Cross and they pulled me out of the war zone, brought me home because he was in such bad shape. Well, he was early. That's why. He was four weeks early. Yeah. And And at that time, you know, the neonatal units weren't what they are today. Now they're doing miraculous thing with early babies. Yeah. So he, um, yeah. So he, uh, they pulled me out and, uh, flying home was a was a, an adventure in itself. Yeah, how did that go? How many flights did you have to take? And <laughs> well, I, I were you on military flights? A part of the way, I um, they they grabbed me out of my bed. I had just gotten off shift, and they said you're going on the next plane out. Red Cross sent a message, and so I packed what I could really quick and got on a truck, and they drove me down to where the planes were taking off. I got on a uh, C1, uh, C-141, and we flew from there to Spain. Which and means a cargo plane, right? The C stands yes. for cargo? Yeah. And See? So, look at you. I've learned some <laughs> things about planes. <laughs> and when we landed in Spain, we blew a tire. Oh. Uh, yeah. Were you on the... Yeah, oh yeah, we were on the plane. You could feel it. And oh, uh, so it grounded the plane until they could get it repaired. And so, you know, it's not only blows the rubber of the tire. Right. You, know, you got to check the entire landing gear. So well, yeah, we were grounded, important. but we were all emergency leave. So they were trying to figure out a way to bump somebody else yeah. less important and get us on a next plane out. Well, it didn't look like that was going to happen. So again, the Red Cross jumped in and they bought a bunch of people who didn't have civilian clothes. They bought them a bunch of sweatshirts and stuff from the local uh, store and they were going to put us on a commercial flight. And just before they did that, they managed to get us on another military flight. So we flew, we got on that, and we flew to the States. And that's when I got on a commercial plane, when we hit the States. Do they not want you to fly commercial out of the country? Is that... I just don't think it was practical. Okay. I, I, um, but the only time I've ever flown first class was then, when I got to the States and I got on a plane. I'm still in my field gear. I'm still filthy, dusty, dirty. Oh, that's right. They never gave you your sweatshirts. You know, this wasn't the afternoon. I had been on this plane trying to come home for about two days. And so I haven't taken a shower. I'm filthy. I feel filthy. I get on this plane. I just, I get in my seat, which is a window seat, and I just try and, you know, blend in and be quiet. (laughs) In your fatigues. In my fatigues. And everybody knew that I was coming right out of the war zone. So I was getting congratulated and welcome and all this stuff, which was, uh, you know, heartwarming. But all I wanted to do was just be invisible. (laughs) And then the flight attendant came and said, would you like to sit in first class? Oh, wow. And it was like, you know, you don't tell them no. No. So, So I took it and I sat in first class. The only time I've ever flown first class. Well, I like to fly first class because the drinks are included. Well. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes, but do they have the brown Listerine ah, in first class? I don't know. Uh-huh. Ah. So, okay, mm. you finally get home. Yeah. How many, you, you flew from? Flew, flew out of the desert, out of Saudi Arabia, into Spain, and then into, I think it's South Carolina. From and Spain then, to South Carolina? Or somewhere on the East Coast. Don't okay. really know. I can't remember. And then flew from there into New Orleans. Okay. And that's when I saw you. Yeah, I remember that vividly. Now, I would have been four. Yeah. Four? Was it? Or yeah. three? No, it was I four. Was, I was three. Because Gary and me were three years apart, me and Gary. So I was, mm. I was Rory's age. Okay, yeah. And I remember I thought you came home in the Superdome. That's how I remember really? it. Yeah. I was like, when we went to the Superdome and, um, wow. which is now the Mercedes Benz, I don't know if they call it the Superdome now, but it's I, now. I thought they, um, they dropped you off at the Superdome. I don't know why. And I remember running through the, I th- it was the airport. <laughs> That's what mom says. Yeah. But I remember, um, you were flying commercial. So it wasn't like there were other people in, in military uniforms. Right. So I remember when you landed, we were waiting, and Mom has Gary, and he's little, right? Right, yeah. And I'm three, so three-year-olds are pretty hard to contain anyways, but I saw your uniform or your boots or something, and I just took off running. Yeah, and I remember, the barricade. Yeah. I remember people, the guy going, ma'am, ma'am, you can't, and she's like, well, yeah. I can't do anything. You like, ain't stopping her now. Yeah, and I remember I just like <laughs> latched onto you and held onto your legs, yeah. and you were walking with all your Filthy, gear dirty. and me. Yeah, I know. I remember, I remember that. that moment. That was a good moment. That was, yeah, well, yeah, I remember it too. I was still supposed to go back. Were you at that point? Um, you know, I was supposed to have a short visit and then and then head back in, um, and then things turned into war at that point, and uh, they decided not to send us back, and um, because everybody was starting to, it was starting to scale down. The ceasefire was going into effect and all that stuff, and so we stayed. I stayed stateside until everybody else returned. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, Gary was, was how cool. old at that time when you came home? Because you, he was. Oh, he was, again, he was four weeks early and I missed him. He was still, I think he was still two weeks early. Yep. So you saw him two weeks after he was born, basically? Yeah, two two weeks. I think two, three, three, three weeks after he was born. Yeah, two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Those are old memories. I know. I'm gonna have to go pull the tapes out. Huh? Yeah, we're gonna have to do. We'll have to do a podcast where we we sh- hear those tapes. Yeah, yeah that would be, be cool, cool to relive that. Play and a I'm sure segment we have, of it. Yeah. I'm sure we have other tapes too from our travels and things like oh, yeah. that too. You know, in the olden days when you didn't just record <laughs> stuff on your phone, we didn't have those phones. No, it wasn't just as no. easily accessible. Yeah, everybody didn't have a uh, a movie studio in their pocket. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, we have old videos and stuff. I know. That we have digital versions of now. I know. I know. I'll have to pull that out. Lord, God forbid the cloud goes down. Oh, no. Yeah, well. <laughs> we'll lose well, them all. This was, this was good reminiscing. Yeah, this is fun. And, you know, this is our special Veterans Day um, yeah. show. So, again, thank you to all the veterans that have served, those in the military that continue to serve. And, and thank you for the families um, that support those people, too. Yeah, because I I wouldn't have made it through all of this 30 years of military service without support of the family. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into, you know, being a military brat or Air Force brat where you change schools and time zones and houses and 
you know, the normal things that adults deal with when you move anyways, where you have to get new utilities and new right. cable, and that's just a pain in itself. But there's a whole nother side. Starting a whole new whole other side. life and then moving all of your stuff, packing it all up. But also when you move your stuff, you don't always get everything back. That's Sometimes true. it gets lost. Sometimes it gets damaged to the point uh-huh. where you, you have to replace it. I remember but, one time I lost a complete box. Yeah. We, we still look for stuff that we know we've lost in a move. I, I think that there's a warehouse somewhere and maybe those military that have had military moves and moved across the country. Maybe there's like a secret warehouse somewhere yeah. with all of the missing <clears throat> items. Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> maybe i was thinking like the island of misfit toys like they're yeah, all there somewhere it's, there. it's all there they're all waiting to be reclaimed <laughs> no one knows quite that they're there but a lot of people uh when they think about veterans and they think about military um immediately what comes to mind is is people that have served in a war or in a conflict of some kind yeah. and um but there's a whole host of military people that have never uh, served in a war zone and still have the same struggles that mm. all military people have, you know, albeit they're not in a war zone, but their jobs are so important to that whole effort and they all deserve our respect and our thanks. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So. And I do everything I can, you know, as a 30 year military veteran, I do everything I can to, uh, to support military even today, not only veterans from the past, but even current military members today. Yeah. Everything you can. Um, they deserve it. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So, so happy Veterans you. Day. Happy Veterans Day. All right. Thanks, guys, for tuning in, and, and we'll see you for our next episode. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.